Here, for this is the word of the Lord. Surely there is a mine for silver and a place for gold that they refine. Iron is taken out of the earth and copper is smelted from the ore. Man puts an end to darkness and searches out to the farthest limit, the ore and gloom and deep darkness. He opens shafts in a valley away from where anyone lives. They are forgotten by travelers. They hang in the air far away from mankind. They swing to and fro. As for the earth, out of it comes bread. But underneath it is turned up as by fire. Its stones are the place of sapphires, and it has dust of gold. That path no bird of prey knows, and the falcon's eye has not seen it. The proud beasts have not trodden it. The lion has not passed over it. Man puts his hand to the flinty rock and overturns mountains by the roots. He cuts out channels in the rocks, and his eye sees every precious thing. He dams up the streams so that they do not trickle, and the thing that is hidden he brings out to light. But where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its worth, and it is not found in the land of the living. The deep says, it is not in me. And the sea says, it is not with me. It cannot be bought for gold, and silver cannot be weighed as its price. It cannot be valued in the gold of Ophir, in precious onyx or sapphire. Gold and glass cannot equal it, nor can it be exchanged for jewels of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or a crystal. The price of wisdom is above pearls. The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. From where, then, does wisdom come? And where is the place of understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all living and concealed from the birds of the air. Abaddon and death say, we have heard a rumor of it with our ears. God understands the way to it, and he knows its place. For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. When he gave to the wind its weight and apportioned the waters by measure, when he made a decree for the rain and a way for the lightning of the thunder, then he saw it and declared it. He established it and searched it out. And he said to man, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. Since he has gone through immense suffering, one important theme in the story of Job is that he has been searching. He has been searching for understanding. He wanted to understand why He was going through what he was going through. And there is only one place that he could find proper understanding. He was searching for God. His friends came along and gave him some answers, thinking that they were speaking for God when they weren't. They sought to teach him the ways of God, but they failed. So by chapter 27... Job turns to his teachers and says, I will teach you concerning the hand of God. And this is what he continues to do in chapter 28. But as we have seen, Job is a confused sufferer who goes back and forth between praising God 
and questioning God. Here Job breaks his speech up with a hymn to God, a poem about man's most valuable possession, if he could ever possess it. It is a treasure, and this treasure is something that every man should long to possess. It is something that Solomon longed to possess. But if man searches for it, the question is, will he be able to find it? So first, Job appeals to the abilities and accomplishments of man. Men have the abilities, the skills, and the know-how to do some amazing things, especially in the fields of research and discovery, searching the depths of creation and inventing things as they search. But, secondly, man's most valuable treasure cannot be found as they search. And thirdly, we should ask the question, where is this treasure to be found? First, man is able to do great things. And Job picks up where he left off in the previous chapter, speaking about the place of the wicked man and the place of the east wind. There is a place for everyone and everything, and so surely there is a mine for silver and a place for gold that they refine. Here he speaks positively about the place where man goes to discover and uncover some of the most valuable and most precious metals. And he is praising man for all the discovery and the developments of technology over the centuries, like the building of cities. This is why iron is taken out of the earth and copper is smelted or extracted from the ore. The ore is a solid natural material like rock where the metal is extracted from. And this ironwork goes back to the second generation of mankind when Cain built a city named after his son Enoch. And one of Cain's descendants, Tubal-Cain, who was a forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. This would continue even after the flood with Nimrod, who was the king behind the building of the Tower of Babel in Shinar. He even says that man puts an end to darkness and searches out to the farthest limit, the ore in gloom and deep darkness. I can't help but think of the inventions of electricity and the light bulb. Many of us can't imagine what we would do without some of the latest technological achievements. And man will do whatever it takes to search out creation for answers to life and for the most valuable possessions. As man is seeking to understand his own surroundings. And it is no easy task. It takes a lot of hard work and it comes with a high cost. Sometimes it is a lonely road, and it may even cost your life. Think of the dangerous and difficult task of a coal miner. He says he opens shafts in a valley away from where anyone lives. They are forgotten by travelers. They hang in the air, far away from mankind. They swing to and fro. One thing I could never do is work on skyscrapers. I give them credit. I I wouldn't go on a roof, never mind a skyscraper. 
At least today they are strapped with a harness tied to a beam in case they fall. But if you look at those old photos from the 1930s, think of the building of the Rockefeller Center. Are they sitting on these beams, not even a foot wide, close to a thousand feet in the air? But if you want to achieve anything that is worth achieving, there is always risk and there is always hardship. As for the earth, out of it comes bread, which is an important and valuable commodity for life. And we often don't think about how it is made. We just go to the grocery store and buy a loaf. But underneath it is turned up as by fire. The earth's stones are the place of sapphires, and it is dust of gold. A lot goes into the making of bread, just like a lot goes into the extracting of precious stones and metals from the earth. There is fire involved in the refining of stones, the forging of metals, and the breaking of bread, just like there is fire involved in the refining and purifying of the character of the Christian. We go through fiery trials so that there is a purifying and we come out as a most precious stone on the other side. Whatever is worth achieving, there will be fire and there will be testing. And this hard path of searching for understanding and what is most valuable is solely a human endeavor. Animals can't do and wouldn't do what we do. Now you wonder who are the wise ones here, but anyway. He says, that path no birth of prey knows, and the falcon's eye has not seen it. The proud beasts have not trodden it. The lion has not passed over it. What humans are capable of doing, no animal is capable of doing. Man puts his hand to the flinty rock and overturns mountains by the roots. He cuts out channels in the rocks. Think of the way that highways have been laid down. Throughout the country, as humans cut into rock and mountainous regions to make a path, you can just drive through the Adirondacks just a little over an hour away. And you can see where God's creation meets human expansion and ingenuity. And man's eye sees every precious thing. He dams up the streams so that they do not trickle, and the thing that is hidden he brings out to light. Think of those who go down to the deepest and darkest parts of the earth in caves and the deepest parts of the sea. Deep sea diving, something else I could never do. To find living creatures we have never seen. And even scientists are admitting that there is a design and an order behind all of this that we see. And it would be a most valuable treasure if we could come to a deep understanding of it. It would be worth all of the risk. It is amazing what men have achieved just over the last century alone. Just think of the technological advancements and the scientific breakthroughs in medicine. It is a real testimony to how man is fearfully and wonderfully made. We have been given the capacity and the ability to do some of the most amazing things And with all of man's achievements, you can say that all of this time, mankind is on a search for what is most valuable in every sphere of life. 
Because Job is just trying to prove the point that the things that are hard to find are worth finding. It is worth the danger and the risk to seek out that which is most valuable and most precious. And in doing so, we'd hope that man will gain understanding about how the world works. But for Job, it is not just about knowing how everything works, but also why. Why is there an order in place? Specifically, a moral order in place. And yet, why do people suffer who follow this moral order? Job is seeking to understand what lies behind the structure of creation itself. Where does all this come from? Who created all this? But the question for Job is, can man find what he is looking for? Or better, what he should be looking for within the created natural order? Or is it to be found somewhere else? Somewhere else that is impossible to locate. This leads to our second point as he reveals what is the most valuable treasure that man can possess in this world. Wisdom. Wisdom. It is worth searching out. It is worth putting everything on the line. Remember, this is what Job has been searching for. Because wisdom is synonymous or has the same meaning as understanding. So he acknowledged that every man in his endeavors and achievements is searching for some form of wisdom. Some form of understanding as he brings what is hidden to light. But in all of man's pursuits, does he find what Job considers to be the most valuable possession? Does he find what Job considers to be true wisdom? He asks, but where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Is it in the places that men have been searching? Is it in the mines? Is it in the earth? Is it found in the most precious metals and stones? Is it found in riches and earthly treasures? Is it found on the highways and the beautiful sceneries of God's creation? Is it found in the deepest and farthest limits of the earth like the deep sea? See, Job is saying it is right for man to be searching and discovering, uncovering and building. But he is also trying to correct And redirect man's thinking to what should be his most valuable treasure. And that is wisdom. Whatever man is seeking. If he is seeking for true wisdom. It seems like he has been looking in the wrong places. Now there is wisdom or understanding that is worldly or earthly. This is when we seek to know how things work. Then discern what is of earthly value. This is a wisdom that comes from experience in the world. Many people take pride in how much experience they have in the world. And they think this is all that they need. I've been around for so long, I know how the world works. 
Don't tell me how it works. And knowing how the world works is valuable. But then, there is a wisdom beyond this world. It is a heavenly wisdom. Both forms of wisdom are valid and valuable, but one is more valuable than the other. Heavenly wisdom is more valuable than worldly or earthly wisdom, the wisdom of Job's friends. And where is this wisdom to be found? Because this kind of wisdom is worth everything. It is worth losing everything. But man, especially the natural man, does not know its worth. He doesn't realize it. How many people have you spoken to about God in Jesus Christ? Who will just shrug it off and say, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just mind my own business. And I don't bother anybody. I treat people the way I want to be treated. That's the modern day interpretation of the golden rule. And they don't want to hear it. Paul says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. For they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them. Because they are spiritually discerned. The natural man does not know true wisdom's worth. And in spite of all that man has achieved in this world, he can't find it. He can't find it. And so Job tells us where this true wisdom cannot be found before he tells us where it can be found. What he has been trying to get at here is that we can't produce this wisdom by our techniques or by our know-how. It is not produced by daily routines that we put in place. It is not found the same way we search for hidden treasures. It is not found in our discoveries or in human ingenuity and technology. We can't come to this form of wisdom by observing the world. It is beyond our natural range of knowledge. He says it is not found in the land of the living. It is not found in creation, nor what we learn from creation. It is not found in the deepest and farthest limits of creation, even at the entrance of Sheol. The deep says, it is not in me, and the sea says, it is not with me. In creation, you only see the fruits or the outworking of wisdom, but not the root, nor the source of wisdom itself. It says in Proverbs chapter 3 verse 19, the Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding he established the heavens. The wisdom that we find in creation is limited. It is a natural wisdom. Uh, this goes hand in hand with natural Revelation and this natural wisdom cannot save you. This wisdom in creation is limited and it is only the evidence that there is a wise creator behind it all. Also, you can't pay for this wisdom. It cannot be bought. It cannot be bought for gold and silver. It cannot be weighed as its price. It cannot be valued in the gold of Ophir 
This is a valuable gold which Solomon possessed and it is believed that he gave it to the Queen of Sheba of Ethiopia to wear in Psalm 45 verse 9. It cannot be valued in precious onyx or sapphire. Gold and glass cannot equal it, nor can it be exchanged for jewels of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or of crystal. The price of wisdom is above pearls. The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. These are the most precious and most valuable objects in the world, and they cannot buy wisdom. Solomon learned this the hard way. Many people today are learning this the hard way. Wisdom is so valuable that it is priceless. In fact, it is free. We have a tough time with that, don't we? Especially as Americans, because we rely on human achievements and earning our keep. In the world and in society, we live under a covenant of works, so to speak. We learn in the world that nothing is free and you have to work hard for everything you have, which is true, but not when it comes to true wisdom. That is, heavenly wisdom, not earthly wisdom. We cannot earn this wisdom by our works or by our earthly experience. From where, then, does wisdom come? And where is the place of understanding? It is not found in mankind, and mankind cannot find it. With man, it is impossible. But the funny thing is, this has been man's desire since the beginning. This is what we have been searching for. We have a thirst for wisdom. And this is how the serpent, Satan, deceived Eve when he said that when she ate of the forbidden tree, you will be like God. Then she saw that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. This is the desire that led people to build a tower for themselves that would reach to the heavens, the Tower of Babel. We think we can attain wisdom by searching for answers and trying to figure out the unexplained and the hidden meaning of things. It's all over YouTube these days. There's always a new video about a secret code in the Bible or, or a mystery of God to be uncovered. But that desire to know what has not been revealed goes back to the Garden of Eden. And the problem is that since the fall, true wisdom has been hidden from man. It is hidden from the eyes of all living and concealed from the birds of the air. The living don't know it and the dead don't know it. Abaddon, who is the angel of death and death himself, say, we have heard a rumor of it with our ears, but nothing confirmed. It was just a rumor. Neither the living nor the dead can find wisdom. So in other words... Wisdom is inaccessible. We can't find wisdom. It must be revealed to us, which means actually wisdom finds us. It will find Job 
in chapter 38 when God himself comes to him in a whirlwind. And this answers our next question. Thirdly, so where is true wisdom found? Where is this heavenly wisdom revealed? It is revealed in God and in God alone. God understands the way to it and he knows its place. For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. God created all things and God knows all things. He put everything in their proper places. When he gave to the wind its weight and apportioned the waters by measure. When he made a decree for the rain and a way for the lightning of the thunder. Wind, oceans, rain, thunder and lightning. All of which cannot be touched and is difficult to catch and control. All of which can bring either destruction, like when a hurricane strikes land. Or blessing, like when rain falls and the crops grow. God, by his wisdom, has ordered all of these. He saw it and declared it. He established it and searched it out. He is the source of all wisdom, both worldly and heavenly, both physical and spiritual. It is by his wisdom that he created all things. Read Proverbs chapter 8. In Proverbs chapter 8, wisdom is personified. He is a person. Wisdom was in the beginning with God, and God delighted in him, and it was by wisdom that God created all things. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Doesn't that sound like John? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. God's wisdom is behind all of creation. And this challenges Job's own conclusion at points where he said that the universe is chaotic and God is unpredictable and wild. Now we know that Job has been searching for wisdom and understanding. He has been wanting to know not only how the world worked, But also he wanted to know why. But is that true heavenly wisdom? Well, no. Because the answer to that question has not been revealed and will not be revealed to Job, nor to you and I. It is when we search for what God has chosen not to reveal to us that we can find ourselves in a lot of trouble. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children. The wisdom that is set forth here by Job is a higher wisdom. It is a heavenly wisdom, a wisdom from above, a spiritual wisdom, a wisdom and understanding that leads to salvation, as Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.15. And so the Lord finally speaks through Job's words here. And turns us away from speculation and curiosity. Turns us away from trying to find the answers as to how and why. And he turns us to God. And it says that God said to man, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. Wisdom is not having or searching for all the answers as to why things are the way they are. 
in the world or in my life. But it is turning toward the one who has all the answers and the wisdom to guide us to where we must go. The wisdom that we don't have. This is why James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Because wisdom is found in God alone. Wisdom described in verses 1 through 27 had to do with understanding the hidden order of the universe. Trying to get the answers to the questions how and why. But the wisdom described in verse 28 has to do with calling us to live by faith, not by sight, and bowing before the creator of all things and looking to him alone for wisdom. Wisdom is turning away from our own understanding. It is to confess, I don't really get it. I don't understand. It is to turn away from evil and bowing before God. It is to repent and believe. True wisdom begins when we stop striving for a heavenly wisdom apart from God. Wisdom begins when we bow to God. Because wisdom apart from God is folly. And God has revealed his wisdom to men in his law and in his word. But knowing ourselves and knowing the world we live in, the sad reality is that no matter how much technological and scientific advancements man has accomplished, human nature never changes. We are by nature lawbreakers. By nature, we turn away from God. We believe if we can only understand the created order, we'll find the solutions to all of our problems and we'll finally attain wisdom enough to one day build a utopia or a version of heaven on earth for humanity. And then we call this progress. And don't get me wrong, humanly and worldly speaking, I wouldn't want to live in any other time period than right now. I had a pastor who said, I, I am thankful for running water, electricity, flushing toilets, and medicine. But these advancements are just patchwork. They're just dealing with the effects of our ultimate problem. What is the ultimate problem of man? We are dead in trespasses and sins, and we suffer misery in the world. The problem of man is sin, suffering, and death. And we believe that we can fix the problem by finding answers and fixing the architecture or the outward structure, the system in place, while neglecting the architect, the builder, the creator. But we can only ignore him for so long. But also on the flip side, we tend to use the gospel as just a solution to the problem. We use the gospel for patchwork. We believe the gospel is here to make this world a better place. Oh yeah, then we'll go to heaven when we die. That's still being worldly minded. And that is nowhere in the scriptures. There is no promise in the scriptures that the gospel is going to make this fallen world a better place. No matter how much the Christian does good in the world. There's no promise of that. 
In fact, the gospel is a proclamation of the good news that God has made a way back for us to himself. Remember, the problem here is that Job has been looking and longing for God, and he could not find him. But God is the one who finds Job. God is the one who takes the initiative and finds us. The problem of man is that we have turned away from God and we continue to turn away from God, unable in ourselves to turn back to Him. The natural man is able to accomplish great things in the natural world, but by nature he lacks true spiritual wisdom and understanding and he cannot turn to God and worship Him. It is a good thing, and I believe it is our calling to try our best to make this world a better place as much as we can. But this world is irreparably fallen. But the good news is that this world order is going to end. This is part of why Jesus went around preaching, the kingdom of God is at hand. What you see now is eventually going to end. And God has made a way back to himself through Jesus Christ. Jesus, who is the ultimate wise man because he is the embodiment of wisdom, wisdom personified like in Proverbs 8, he came to seek and to save the lost. Remember, it was his voice that spoke to the people. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. Ask and it will be given to you. He came to us because he knew we wouldn't and couldn't find him. This is why when we gather for worship, it's not so much us coming to God as it is God calling us, gathering us, and coming to us and speaking to us. Jesus was greater than Job because he was a blameless and upright man who feared God and turned away from evil every time. Jesus Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And that power and wisdom was displayed in his perfect life, perfect sacrifice, and his resurrection where he was vindicated and declared the Son of God. And that power and wisdom has been given to us, beloved. That is why Paul said that we now have the mind of the Lord. And it is in Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So, Paul tells us, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Today, everyone says, I don't believe in organized religion, but I'm spiritual. In other words, they make themselves out to be God. But do you know that you can be spiritual and still be worldly? Because many people think that being spiritual is abstaining from the world. It is to stay away from the world. That is the elemental things of the world. Food and drink. Not sin, but they will abstain from everything else. 
Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. But what did Paul say in response to this? Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink. Other people believe that spiritual wisdom is found in that they are always searching for God. They never land on a definite place. It's as if God is changing every day. He takes on a new form. They're searching for a higher spiritual life. They're always trying to uncover the mysteries which God has said, it is not for you to know. This is going back to the mind of Eve in the Garden of Eden. In the forbidden wisdom. I have given you what you are to know. It is in this book. And this book points you to my son. Paul said, let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism. That is severe self-discipline outside of God's moral law. And worship of angels going on in detail about visions. Puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world. See, it sounds spiritual, but it is still worldly. Why is if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? According to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism. And severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. I just think about the monks when I read that text. Who tried to escape the world. They tried to escape the devil. But they had one problem. Themselves. They couldn't escape their flesh. Why? Because it is only by the spirit of God and by grace That we can stop the indulgence of the flesh. See, the world's wisdom is not really wisdom. It is not the searching for secrets of the higher spiritual life. But the church has fallen victim to this as well over the centuries. You ever hear someone interpret their experience by saying, Well, the Spirit led me here. The Lord led me here. Here, not there, but here. As a pastor, I'd like to push it a little bit and ask, well, why not there? Oh, that made me uncomfortable. That challenged me. So really, it wasn't the Lord, it was you. So let us be careful that we're not speaking as if we have some special revelation. And then tack on, the Lord led me to say, you can't challenge me. Right? Because if the Lord did it, No one can challenge you because you have made your words infallible, you see. We can present our spiritual wisdom from a worldly place, and we ought to be careful. True wisdom is found here in these words. It's summed up in these words. This is where I know for a fact that the Lord is leading every Christian. Behold, The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. That is the will of God for your life. There is nothing better than possessing the wisdom of God. It is priceless and it is free. And it is ours by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Amen.